If you have a unique business model that you're desperate to get off the ground, like, I don't know, a soccer memorabilia business or a jewelry company, one of the best ways to do that is to reach out to the people that already buy those things and ask them what thing they're most looking for. This means you could join a Facebook group of people that collect soccer memorabilia or a Facebook group based on people that appreciate fashion. By surveying the people within those groups about the biggest problem they have or the biggest product they wish existed, you can develop something that people actually want. That's one of the fastest ways to make sure you get sales. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Finding customers the modern way. So we've got this cool store. It looks great. James now understands my processes. Everything is in place and we're good to go, but there's nobody walking in. We needed to do something else. We couldn't just rely on people coming in through the door because there's a global lockdown. Nobody can physically see this amazing experience that we've created. You know how frustrating it is to have a business, to know that you've got processes in place, to know that things can be good, but no one is going to walk through that door. We needed to be able to communicate with our customers fast, as quick as possible, and we couldn't just rely on foot traffic. Now, every customer that we had ever had had put their information into our point of sale terminal. That is that cool little computer that most companies have where you punch in all their information and they say, um, you know, are you okay with giving us a text message receipt or an email receipt um, and so we can stay in touch with correspondence. We texted every single one of our customers and we made posts on all of our social media bulletin boards everywhere to let them know that even though the doors were closed, we were still open for business via mail order. We will happily get you the same purchases that you want. If you want this, then we will get it to you, but we'll do it by shipping. We will just post them. You can even sit and play games at home with your loved ones. Rather than sitting there being bored and watching Netflix and binge watching the Tiger King like everyone else, you can be sitting there playing Dungeons and Dragons, teaching your family how to play and bonding over a great game night. Now, people forget about the importance of communicating. If you don't tell people what you have, then you can't expect to get sales, right? If you're not actually communicating with anyone, then no one's going to buy anything from you. You can't just open your business and hope the customers are just going to walk in the door. Now, I'm aware that like 50 years ago, that was pretty much the only business model, but it was never a good one. The better ones always had great communication going on. So you have to go out there and get those customers. Now, one of the fastest ways to get customers is to communicate with past customers, people who have already bought things, either from you or from someone else. Now, if you don't have any past customers, a great way you can do this is to partner with somebody who has them and split the revenue. Now, if you remember how I do the breakdown of the money, after we put aside the COGS, the cost of goods sold, we're left with our net revenue, our net earnings, which is um, a percentage of the full amount. But 50% of that money is put aside for advertising and marketing. Specifically so, I can split that with someone who's willing to give me access to their customers. For example, I could reach out to other business owners in the area when I open my store and say, hey, um, would you be willing to do an email blast, a text blast, or a social media blast 
to everyone on your customer list and let them know that a new game store has opened up. And if they make a purchase and they mention your name over the phone, we'll give them a discount. In order for, uh, by doing that, by giving a discount because they mentioned the name of that shop, we now know that that shop referred the customer. We keep a tally of every customer that mentions that person's shop and write a name by it. The customer gets a discount, so they're going to mention the name over and over again. We now know exactly how much money has been generated by that particular shop, and we can give them a cut of the revenue, that advertising and marketing budget that we put aside. Now, you can do this with business owners. You can do it with Facebook groups. There are some Facebook groups that make no money whatsoever. They'd be more than happy to do a promotional post to promote you and then get a percentage, I mean, a massive percentage, 50% of net earnings from anything you sell to people from their group. You've just gained a whole bunch of customers. Bloggers, influencers, many of these people would love 50% net revenue. In fact, I'm going to tell you now, the 50% net revenue is almost too much. You've got to decide between a flat fee and a percentage. Offering less than 50% doesn't usually get people interested. The reason is it's just not enough money for them to bother putting the effort in. If they get no sales, 50% of nothing is nothing. Most of them are very happy with a flat fee. The problem is a flat fee is money out of your pocket and you may not get any sales. So as a beginner, people tend to lean towards percentages. And I'm telling you, you need to give them 50% if you want them to take you seriously. And even then, not everyone's going to say yes. But as an expert who's been doing this a while, you'll probably want to move towards a flat fee. I'll give you an example. Um, if you, if you start and you're an absolute beginner, do the flat, the percentage first. And then once you get a couple of sales and you can calculate what the numbers are, you'll feel better with the flat fee too. So if somebody has a thousand contacts in their database, right? So I've moved into a new town, I open up a store or I'm building a new business and I contact a Facebook group. And let's say they've got a thousand contacts in the group. They do one promotion to a thousand people and I make 10 sales. Each sale is a hundred dollars, right? So I make a thousand dollars. Now, um, it's a lot better or $100 in net revenue after my cost, right? $100. So I've got $1,000 in net revenue. It's actually a lot better to have paid that person a flat $100 advert for that promotion to 1,000 people than split 50% of the net revenue because that would be $500. But you may have to pay $100. They promote to 1,000 and no one buys and then you're out of pocket. So it's really about calculating what you feel comfortable with. But I can tell you that once you get started and you've done this a while, the flat fee makes a lot more sense. This is the basics of marketing. That's why there is that budget put aside for marketing. You can either take that, um, that 50%, divide it into five sets of 10% that you, uh, that you pay in flat fees because no one's going to do 10% promotion. Um, or you can give 50% to one person um, and get leads that way. It doesn't matter which way you do it, but doing this, borrowing other people's audiences from past customers is the best way to make sales. Customers are the best advertising audience, people who have actually spent money. For example, it's a lot more interesting to me to convince a restaurant owner to message everyone that's ever eaten in that restaurant to promote my game store that's next door than it is to have the local town make a social media post. Because there might be people on the social media post that visited the town once and don't care about buying anything. There might be people on the social media that don't like leaving their house because of the global lockdown. But the restaurant, if they message everyone in the last 30 days, they're people that are still being active. Um, it's not going to be a massive group of people. Um, and again, the restaurant's offering them a free discount to go to my store. That's great for the restaurant. And the restaurant gets extra revenue for sending a text message or, or an email blast. It's a very good way to go. Now, what we did was we messaged all of our past customers. There were 400 contacts inside our point of sale machine that we'd never communicated with. What we did was let them know that we're still open. And if there was anything that they wanted us to get, if then, 
If there is anything they wanted us to get, we would get it in for them and ship it to them. This helped us start to make our revenue back. We started making money and everything looks good. The problem with 2020 and the global pandemic and the lockdown is there were new rules that were coming out every single day, but not from the government, but from private companies who were trying to react to make sure that they were being compliant with any potential lawsuit that would come at them. And one of these new rules impacted us really, really badly. I looked to James and I was like, so get, let me get this straight. You're telling me that we have a product worth thousands of dollars, one of our biggest launches. Our customers want to buy it, but we're not allowed to sell it to them. That was the thing that we got confronted with about two months after turning the store around during lockdown and really getting into the swing of things. What was coming up was known as a Magic the Gathering pre-release. Now, Magic the Gathering is a very popular collectible card game. I mentioned earlier that some of the cards, individual cards, are worth $100,000. People open up packs of cards, build Magic the Gathering decks, play as wizards in this collectible card game, and try and find the super rare cards. The releases are where you make the most of your money. In fact, it's like highly competitive to be known as being really good at running releases because the more popular your release is, the more discounts and bonuses your store is given. So it's a very competitive area. And you kind of rely on the four to six releases of the Magic the Gathering games to make the boosts in your income. And we had a whole bunch of customers really excited for the pre-release that was coming out in the middle of lockdown. And then the manufacturer of the game told us that we're not allowed to run any pre-release tournaments because no one was allowed to do any gaming. That meant that we were going to have these tournament packs that people can play against each other to win prizes and we couldn't let anyone come and play with them. So we've now got thousands of dollars of this stuff because you have to pre-order it in advance. And when you, you build up your pre-order, because we, we were getting really big at it, so we bought lots of them. So we've got like thousands of dollars of tournament packs in our game store and no one was allowed to come and play in a tournament. Now, um, at this point, we're stuck, right? What are we going to do? We've got thousands of dollars worth of product that we can't sell anyone. As a business owner, you're going to get obstacles and they're going to come up and they're going to come out of nowhere. And most of the time you can't predict them. In fact, one of the only things you can predict is the fact that they're going to be unpredictable and they're going to turn up. When you're given an obstacle in your business, there are three ways to look at solving it. Number one, this is really bad and there is nothing I can do about it. If that's you, if you're a, this sucks, everything sucks, the world's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Don't start a business. Like, don't. Become an employee, get a great job. Um, that, this is not for you. The second way to handle an obstacle is, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what to do. I have no idea. In that place, there is a solution. The solution is work with someone who has experience. Hire someone to help you. I'm telling you now that I've got like four or five business mentors that I pay lots of money so that when I don't know what to do, I pick up the phone and I go, help, what do I do? And they give me the answer, okay? So you can hire somebody to do that. I mean, that's literally what my company does. If you pay us, that's what we do. We're there if you have a problem. We're like, yeah, what do you need, right? The third way is you can say to yourself, okay, I've got an obstacle. What are three things other companies are doing to get past this obstacle? And make a list of all three things and then pick one that you want to try. There's no guarantee it's going to work. But if three other companies are doing it, there's a chance that it might work. In this situation, we looked at three other ways companies were getting around the fact that they'd, they'd had a lockdown. And some of them went online, but we couldn't do an online tournament. That didn't really make sense. 
Um, some of them were allowing people to buy stuff and put it on hold until everything opens up again. We didn't feel that makes sense because this stuff's on a cycle. Every few months, it's not interesting anymore. I told you it becomes old stock and no one wants it. But restaurants had a really unique model. They were doing takeaway. Now, I know that might not sound that unique to you. Like it's obvious that restaurants do takeaway, but a takeaway tournament is really interesting. The fact that you can't play a tournament in our game store, but we can absolutely send you a tournament pack for you to run a tournament in your own home with your friends and family. And so rather than selling a um, hundred people, a hundred tournament packs to play against each other, we gave a discount on people buying them in packs of two. And we sold 50 couples the ability to play a one-off tournament in their home. And we sent them prizes that one of the two people could win. Naturally, this sold out. At a time when no other gaming store was allowing people to have tournaments, we were encouraged people to play a tournament at your own home. There were even groups of like six people that was like brothers and sisters that would run a six person tournament in their house. They loved it. They're in charge of their own tournament. They got to send in their results to the websites that keep track of all this stuff. They thought it was great. We had solved the problem by borrowing a successful solution from a different business model. Now, this solved our financial issues every two to three months, okay? So every two to three months, there's a new big pre-release. And during lockdown, we could still sell tournament packs. People could play tournaments. Because with, um, uh, we still needed a way, though, to motivate everyone to play games. Because ultimately, as a game store, you're only going to make money if people are playing games. Uh, because if there's nowhere to play, then no one's going to buy. Now, we'd solved the tournament thing, right? Okay, you can do a tournament once every three months. The problem is no one was speculating on new games. So while we knew we could sell Magic the Gathering on pre-releases, other games are a bit more of a problem. Uh, for Warhammer 40,000, you need a big gaming table. People didn't really have gaming tables. For Dungeons and Dragons, they didn't know who to play with and they didn't know if they wanted to get into a new game because people were concerned about their income. They were concerned they were gonna lose their job. It's not the best time to be spending on frivolous hobbies when you've got a lockdown and you're not sure if you're gonna have a job next month. So. If they're not open to speculate by spending money with their cash and they're not going to the game stores to play games, we needed a new solution. We needed something else. And you got to give if you want to receive. So I remember uh, even James' face when I looked at both of them and I said, yes, I plan to make money by giving things away completely for free. Now, if you remember earlier, one of the biggest mistakes that happened in our business was when we trusted the general manager to make decisions and he just kept discounting everything and we made no profit off any sale. My uh, James and my partner both recognized that it looked like I was suggesting the same thing. If selling things at a discount made no money, giving things away to people is a really, really bad idea. And local game stores, the ones that were crushing us back when everything was open, had started to announce the danger of them folding. In fact, one of the stores had already closed their doors, at least temporarily. Another one ran a GoFundMe campaign to try and survive. Uh, but for us, we were making money. We were making really good money. But the future was still uncertain. It wasn't a lot of money. It was just enough to pay all the bills. And we needed to do something to prop up the other products that we created or that we sold. Now, we used to run painting classes in the store. I'm actually a silver medalist painter. Um, I've never won gold, but I've got silver, so I'm a really good painter. Um, and good enough to teach lessons. And so every so often I would used to run painting classes in the store as a way of encouraging people to buy paints. And this gave us a consistent revenue. If I would go into the store every couple of weeks and do some painting classes, um, you know, we charged $30 for a class, a bunch of people would spend some money. The revenue didn't come from the painting classes. The revenue actually came from people buying paint sets. Paint sets are expensive. 
a full set of paints is like 400 to $500. And if I've got a class of six people and three of them don't have paint sets, by the end of the class, three of them are gonna buy paint sets because they wanna get some paints. Um, the best part about paint sets is the more you paint, the more paint you need. And so they come back and they replenish the paint set. And I mean, a little tub of paint can be $8. And if somebody's run out of five paints, that's $40. And if they're painting a lot, they're gonna buy a lot more paint. So what we did is we needed to come up with something we could give away that would encourage people to paint. Well, we used to charge $30 for these painting tutorials, but we didn't really make money from the painting tutorials. We made money from the paints. So I said, let's give away the tutorials online. Things that people are used to paying for, they're sitting indoors doing nothing. They're scared of playing. They don't have enough money to build the games. Well, they could paint. And there's a lot of people talking about starting new hobbies during quarantine. So we will give away a whole bunch of painting tutorials completely for free. The kind of quality that people would pay for. We'll get multiple camera angles. We'll make it look great. And we will teach people how to paint. And then we'll ask them how it's going and we'll offer them the paints. But because of the fear of spending money right now, let's become the Costco of gaming. And this, this was our golden nugget. If you remember at the very beginning of everything here, I explained about the different members, uh, the different business models. And I explained that one of my favorites was the subscription model. Costco is like gym membership for retail. You pay for a membership and that gives you benefits within the store, not just discounts, but a whole bunch of other benefits that most people that go to Costco don't even consider because they just think about the discount. Here's what we'll do. I said, we will give them a bunch of painting tutorials completely for free. And then we will hire some of the best painters that we know, the top people, and we will create a membership site that if you're willing to pay just a small amount of money, um, maybe like $10 a month, they will receive thousands of dollars of painting tutorials from gold medal winners, right? Like the best models. Um, in the painting world, the Golden Demon Award and uh, the Crystal Brush Award are considered two of the most highly prized um, painting awards you can get. We hired a painter who is a nine times Golden Demon Award winner to create painting tutorials for us. And we put them inside the membership site. So we're gonna give people tons of value. They'll get a bunch of stuff for free. And then if they wanna become members, they can get all this other stuff. And we will build an audience of people that we know are interested in the things that we sell. Because if they're interested in learning how to paint, we know they're gonna to wanna to buy paint. And this is the first phase of marketing. It's education, but 10 times more effective. We're not just educating people, we're giving them education. While other people are moving their painting classes online and charging money for it, we'll do it for free. And if somebody goes through the painting class and they really enjoy it, that's the education and indoctrination method because they're now learning our methods, we can then charge them to join the membership site to get the pro advanced stuff. We hired a bunch of experts, as I said, and then we will take all the profits that we've made in the store so far because we can't tap into any other money and we'll use that money to hire the experts. So once again, we took all the money we'd made and we gave it back into the business. I remember James looked at me and he said, we're gonna spend all the money we made. Now he was still getting his salary, but still, he's like, we're not gonna grow the store. We're not gonna buy new products. We're just gonna take all that money and we're gonna hire a bunch of people to make some painting tutorials. And I said, yeah, it's the marshmallow test. Now, if you don't know what the marshmallow test is, it's one of the best lessons you can ever learn as a business owner. The marshmallow test is where you go up to a child and you say, you have a choice. You can have one marshmallow now or two marshmallows in 10 minutes. It's your choice. The marshmallow test is, do you have the ability to think ahead? Are you willing to delay instant gratification to get a bigger prize later? 
And I said, I would rather we take the money we've got now, put it into building something that will sustain us with money in the future, rather than spend the money we've got now. And then in the future, if we're in a bad way, we have no solution. So it makes sense to lose money today or break even today to make a lot more money later. So basically this entire business was making me no money at this point. Like, so everything I've done, every time I potentially could pay myself that owner distribution, I just put it straight back in the business. All the profits go straight back in and we just keep trying to grow the business. So I said, what we'll do is we'll put all of our customers into a membership site. So we contacted all the 400 customers. We made posts everywhere. And we said, if you've been a customer of our store, we've got some free painting tutorials for you. Here they are. And we gave people a list where they could go and watch the painting tutorials. And then at the end of the painting tutorial, we invited people to become a member to learn thousands of dollars of painting techniques from the world's best painters for $10 a month, which was a no brainer. This way we had a guaranteed income of $10 per month per member and anyone that became a member in addition to getting all those training tutorials, they would get discounts off anything they bought us for life. Well, for as long as they remember. Now this is huge because like I said, paint sets are expensive. A $500 paint set, being able to get it for 450 is a massive bargain. Why would they buy paint from anywhere else? We had bought loyalty in a way that was so much better than a loyalty membership card. Rather than just collecting ticks every time you come to the store, you don't have to. You have a permanent discount every single time providing you're willing to stay as a member. By the way, we update those painting tutorials every single month. So it's not just we did a one-off payment, we are still to this day hiring painters to paint in our painting tutorials. Now, this is really interesting because we also compete with a bunch of people online that like I said, their living is made by teaching painting. They charge people for lessons. Well, with us, the lessons are free, but there are a whole bunch of other people that try and convince painters to paint for free. We don't, we pay the painters. So we're actually paying for their time and we will advertise their services. So the painters don't even consider us a competition. With our membership growing time after time, if you paint for us, we'll pay you to create painting tutorials and that'll be an advert for your services in case somebody wants to work with you. Every month in our membership, we change which painter we advertise. So we're also helping other painters promote their individual businesses and we're getting all the tutorials we need and we've got the money to afford it. It's a win-win, win-win, win-win-win and it secures our customers buying paint through us, which is really, really where the money comes from. So ultimately, when you build your business, you need to be disruptive. You need to do the things that other people won't do. Case in point, giving away tutorials that other people are paying for, paying the painters for their time rather than convincing them to work for free. If you can find a way to give more value than any of your competitors doing for less money, you win time and time again. One of the fastest ways to do this is trading time for rapport. So what I mean by that is I'm willing to donate my time, my effort, my energy, or even my money to build a connection with a customer. So if that means that I'm going to give them hundreds of dollars worth of tutorials for free, then it's worth it. So they realize that I care about my customers. I'm leading with value, but a much better way rather than spending my own time doing one-on-one -on -one trainings is to build a massive online value by having a ton of tutorials online for free that they can get by just coming and hanging out on my website. We don't even put those tutorials behind uh, a wall. You don't have to give me your email to get them. The tutorials are there live on the website for free. You can just go there and watch the tutorials. I'm not getting your data. I'm not getting your information. Remember, it's education and indoctrination. I don't need your information yet. I only need your information if we're going to have a conversation, which is where the sale comes in. And this is how you build up your audience, which is the A part of the SMART blueprint.
by having an audience of captive customers, people that are learning and enjoying and gaining all this information for free, I've got people that I can have conversations with. Now, um, it makes a lot more sense to have a one-off cost, like hiring an expert that can give people information um, that you can then continue to give people for free. Because every single month when we hire those experts and they create something, the information stays for forever. So at the end of 12 months with 12 different painters, 12 different experts, a new member joining for $10 has 12 brand new lessons on top of all the other ones that were built. The library gets bigger and bigger, but the cost is only $10. Once they pay that first $10, and trust me, we have people that are like, I'm just gonna pay $10, get the freebies and then leave. The minute they start getting discounts and anything they buy, they stay because they get discounts. So it's all designed to be just a better experience for them. Why would you leave if you're getting a ton of free stuff and you're getting discounts? It's just better than anyone else, so they stay. You always have to ask yourself, what's better, having more cash in your pocket today or more, or more cash in your pocket a few years from now? Most of the time as a business owner, it makes a lot more sense to put the money back in the business and keep it going. This goes back to bread and butter. If when I first launch my business, I keep my day job and I know I can pay my bills and I know I can look after my family and I'm working in my spare time, I never have to worry about that business making me money for the first year or two. I would argue that anyone that starts a new business, you should keep your day job and run the business on the side for a year or so until the business makes so much money that you don't need the day job. And then when you transition, it just makes sense. That way you can make a decision to plow that money back into the business over and over again and build it to a point that the comp competition cannot stand up to you which is the state that we find ourselves in at this point through the lockdown. You always have to ask yourself, if money was not an object, if it was not an obstacle for you and it wasn't standing in your way, what would you do to be successful? If you can work that out, then the only obstacle you have to overcome is finding that money. And I've already showed you multiple ways that you can generate money if you really need it. So don't start by saying, I don't have the money, I can't do this. Start by saying, if I did have the money, here is how I'd be disruptive. Here is how I would add massive value. Here is how I would make sure that my customers got the education and indoctrination that they want for free. And now I'm over delivering, I'm crushing the competition. The only thing I have to do is find the money to be able to build it. And that's now an obstacle that you can get past. Finding money is one of the easiest obstacles to get past. Finding money that you need for your bread and butter, that's hard, right? Finding regular money, that's the hard thing. But finding one-off money to hire an expert to do something, that's actually pretty easy. It's just difficult if you have to do both at the same time. So have your bread and butter going and then use the extra money on the side. So we've now got thousands of dollars that have been spent on lessons and professional painters and experts. We kind of got to get that money back, right? You, it's all well and good to put the money back into the business, but it's got to come back. So I'm going to show you how you can grow through showing the world how you serve your local community. Uh, Jamil, we are not retargeting the tutorial page. We could, but we're not. We don't need to. Because the people that want to have a conversation with us, they want to have a conversation with us. They've just sat and watched two hours worth of tutorials. They, they can talk to the painter. They can reach out and I'm the painter in the tutorials. You can talk to me. Why would they not want to, right? Imagine if you watch two hours of your favorite, you know, your favorite seminar speaker, your favorite author, and then you could just pick up the phone and talk to them. They want to do that. Yeah, I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> cool. Adam, you are the golden nugget. This is insane. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoy it. He owns that drink with every sip. <laughs> yeah, I need that caffeine. All right. 
So I look at James, I'm like, whoa, we're at 10,000 live views already. Are you sure, dude? Because nobody was visiting our game store, we had all these big empty game tables. So we decided that we would start live streaming from the store. I mean, remember, we made the store look pretty. It was looking cool. So why not show off? We got like LED lights and stuff. It looked great. Now, we'd seen an increase in general in online live streams, right? So people that were on the internet were spending more time on live streams. So it was a no-brainer for us to start live streaming considering we had a big game store and we had all the latest games. We had some old webcams that we hadn't used in years, which turns out was like the best webcam everyone was using because they were the Logitech C922 ones, the ones everyone was using. And we had like five of them that we never used. So we connected them up with some web software we put down onto a laptop and we invited all of our close friends that were playing games with us to come and play games on the live stream. Now, we were super fortunate. As I said, we predicted quarantine. So a group of like 10 of our friends, we all discussed that we wouldn't be going out. We had food. We didn't need to leave everywhere. The only time we left was to go to the game store that no one ever visited. So we were literally in our car, going to the game store, playing games and leaving. And all of our friends in this community did the same thing. We weren't exposed to anyone. We didn't go out, but we had a great group of like 10 friends who all played Warhammer 40,000, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. And we spent lockdown playing games together and driving uh, between the two locations, the game store on our own homes. There was one situation where one person went to the grocery store to pick up some supplies and had a risk of COVID. What they did is they went and got tested. It came back completely negative, but still, because they were warned that there was a case of COVID, they spent 14 days not visiting us so we could monitor them to see if they were okay. They got tested again at the end of 14 days, they were clean and they got to join back in the group. So that's how we monitored and kept ourselves safe. But what was cool is at a time when no one was playing Warhammer 40,000 or Dungeons and Dragons except via um, Zoom, we were out there playing and showing people us playing the game like people used to. It was a sense of normalcy in this weird, wild, crazy world. And thousands of people were flocking to come and watch us play every single day. Now, um, the longer we played the games, the more the views increased. So we found that very, very long games that took four, five, six hours or playing multiple games in a row were better for us. And with nothing else to do, we decided that we would just keep doing that. But it still wasn't enough. We weren't getting the views that we wanted. So we reached out to other communities. Now, if you're trying to build your audience, it pays to trade with another audience of a similar size. So you might like the idea of like the biggest audience in the world promoting you. That might sound great, but they don't really have any incentive. For example, when we started, we only had like 400 customers. So if we wanted to build it up, we can't go to someone who's got a million people and be like, hey, do you want to trade audiences? Because we're trading 400 of the million. Um, because of the live streams we're doing, we got up to about a thousand, which was really good. But still, it was a lot easier for us to trade with another small audience who have only have a thousand people than to try and reach up to somebody who has 300,000. And so um, you can exchange an audience with someone of a similar size. So basically, you promote my live stream, I'll promote your live stream. And now, because you're trading at a similar audience size, you are now bigger. So um, if you, your idea to speed up the process might be like, well, I'm just going to go to a big company, but that really doesn't work. They're not going to want to deal with you. They're going to think you're a nobody. It makes a lot more sense to grow with a number of companies of the same size of you. For example, if you have an audience of, say, 500 people, you can reach out to five other people that have an audience of 500 people. Now, um, you've just been exposed to 2,500 new people. And of course, you've shared your audience with five other cool people as well, which is kind of nice and your audience gets to see something different. 
If 50% of each of those audiences decide to join yours, you just gained 1,250 new people, effectively more than doubling or tripling the size of your audience. You're up to 1,750, 1,750. Now you can reach out to five new groups who have 1,500 to 2,000, and you can start sharing your audience with them. If you did this you know, once a week with five different audiences every single week in five different groups and you were live streaming every day, it would only take a few months before your audience size was massive. And that's what we started doing. We reached out to a whole bunch of small audiences, started to share our streams, and it was only a matter of time before we ended up sharing them with some of the biggest in the industry. Um, Mini Wargaming is one of the largest uh, companies when it comes to doing live streaming for Warhammer 40,000, and they started sharing our live stream on their pages. In fact, just a few days ago, I did a live stream with Mini Wargaming because they loved the connection we had um, and because our audience keeps getting bigger and bigger. And of course, every time they share our stuff, their audience gets to see all our free tutorials. So their audience becomes our audience, becomes indoctrinated to our method and signs up. And of course, our audience also gets to see them, indoctrinated to their method and signs up with them and everyone's happy. So now we've got a bigger audience, massive audiences watching everything that we're doing, but the revenue didn't really increase, right? So this is the problem. A lot of people think, oh, if I'm a, if I'm influencer, if I'm Instagram famous, I'm gonna make lots of money. But actually those views didn't really translate into cash because they weren't actually coming to the shop. So we needed more sales. Be honest with me. How many times have you guys said this phrase? This is, uh, this is Eve's favorite phrase. Eve, you there? I, I kind of want to put your, your face up. You don't have to have audio, but I just want, this is one of my favorite moments. This is Eve, like once a week. This is Eve. My phone. Talk to a human. Talk to a human. Talk to a human. That is Eve, like once a week, okay? So I think you guys all know this situation. Um, well, it's hard because they don't understand my accent. And they're like, how can we help you today? And I'll be like, you know, whatever, customer service or chargeback or transactions. And you're like, sorry, didn't get that. How can we help you today? And I'm like stuck in that loop. And I'm like, ah, just get me to the, to the human. I hate that. I hate the stupid machines, you know, because they don't recognize my accent or like drive throughs whatever, but. So um, <laughs> with the new live streams that we're doing, we're live streaming all the time. The internet kept cutting out, okay? So we had to upgrade it. We had to do something to improve the internet. You can't live stream to 10,000 people on a regular basis and have internet that keeps cutting out. So my partner was angry at having to talk to automated machines to try and upgrade our internet that would enable us to live stream. And in the background, I've got James who's running everything and he's annoyed that our audience just isn't signing up for our membership digitally on their own, right? They're not just going to the website and signing up. In fact, no matter how many people watch the live stream, our memberships don't go up or down. So I look at James and I was like, dude, it's because you're not talking to them. If you remember, there's three steps, right? It's education, indoctrination, and conversation. You have to talk to them if you wanna make those sales. I said, look, it's just like Eve. Eve is irritated at this robotic phone tree. Our audience is probably irritated that we have an automated online service. They're probably frustrated that, you know, it's a bunch of website stuff that, that isn't actually addressing their problems or giving them the personal attention that they need. How about we talk to them, dude? Education, indoctrination, conversation. We will offer to help them. We'll help them design a Warhammer army. We'll help them design their Dungeons and Dragons character, or we'll help them build a Magic the Gathering deck, or we can even help them with paint schemes or working out which paints or brushes they should buy. And we'll have this conversation with them completely for free. Look, in a, when the world zigs, you always wanna zag. You wanna do exactly the opposite of everyone else. 
I have a friend of mine who is a multi-millionaire when it comes to Bitcoin trading. And his method is the easiest method in the world. If people on the internet are talking about buying Bitcoin, sell your Bitcoin. If no one on the internet is talking about buying Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. It's a very simple method. And he's made millions and millions of dollars doing this. When everyone does one thing, do the opposite thing. So um, let's, be, let's be real. As cool as artificial intelligence is, it just isn't there yet, right? Like you can tell when you're dealing with a robot. The robot doesn't care. It doesn't have any emotions. It's not really listening to what you say. And as consumers, we hate wasting time choosing from multiple choice trees on a phone, um, you know, or going through a website trying to work out if we really want to buy something, right? You know, where's the fucking button to buy the thing? <laughs> like, where's the reviews, right? It's horrible. But somehow as a business owner, we convince ourselves that automation is best. Oh yeah, yeah no, we, we just need to do tracking and retargeting and, and ads and, and automate this process. Look, I'm not saying that automation can't help. I'm just saying that good old fashioned phone sales always works, like always. It's like Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street always says, pick up the phone and make a call. And whatever your excuses are, pick up the phone and make a call. And as long as you're picking up phones and making calls, you're gonna make sales. We have seen nothing in any industry beat phone sales, nothing. The conversion rate on a phone sale with somebody is 30 to 66%. The conversion rate on the best websites in the world to the highest targeted audience is gonna be lucky if it's 49%. It'll never top 50% ever, but your phone sales with targeted customers can get 66% or even higher, right? In fact, for some infomercial ads that are done correctly uh, on television, by the time they get to the phone, the close rate can be in the 90%, okay? Phone sales are best. When everyone else in the world is moving to automation, give the personal touch, stand out. And that's what we did. Now, phone sales are easy. I have a whole bunch of different phone sales scripts. I'm gonna share with you my simple three-step close. Now, I think my four-step close is better than my three-step close and my 18-step close is the best. But for ease of convenience and teaching you and not overwhelming you, I'm just gonna give you my three-step close for now. Part one, enthusiasm and focus on identifying their problem. So when you get on the phone, you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy to talk to you. Which game is your favorite? Which is your favorite game? We're talking to gamers, people that like playing games. You've got to be excited about the game. So you're going to be enthusiastic and talk about the game. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You play Warhammer 40,000. I love that. All right, so let me help you out. What's your biggest problem? How can I help you today? You're not there to sell them. You're there to educate, indoctrinate, and then have a conversation. And while this is still a conversation, we want to identify where they are in the journey. The best way of doing that is, once again, assessing the audience's needs. In this situation, it's an audience of one, but still, we still want to assess what their needs are. So we're going to try and identify what the problem is. Now, once we identify what their problem is, we then say, well, are you open to hearing our solution to the problem? Now, this is very important. You're getting permission for them to hear how we would like to solve the problem. So are you open to hearing our solution? Now, if they say, yes, I am, you've been given permission to sell. This is known as permission-based selling. Are you open to me saying this to you? If they say yes, then you can describe your solution based on the benefits and ask if they think that that will help them. Now, this is really important. We're going to ask, we're going to describe the solution based on the benefits, not the processes, because sometimes the process is off-putting, right? So, you know, um, if somebody says, uh, you know, um, you know, how, how can this help me? And I'm outlining, I'm like, well, all you have to do is put in five hours of training every single week, 
turn up to every single phone call that we do, respond with, it's just, you're like, oh my God, that sounds like so much work. No, I'm not going to do that, right? No one wants to hear the process. Instead, you want to focus on the results. So you go, look, what we're going to do is throughout the program, we're going to be focused on helping you develop everything you need to build the body that you want. We're going to calculate where your body fat is, what workout you're doing, and then we're going to make sure that all the exercises get you the results. So you look in the mirror and you think, damn, I look good, right? We're going to focus on the result, not the process. The only time you give the process, if somebody says, what's the process, then you give it to them. But if they haven't asked for the process, don't give the process. Just ask them what their problem is. Ask them if they're okay to hear your solution and then outline what results your solution gives. And then they either say, yes, I want to know the process or they say, you know what? I'm interested in that. And then for the sale, it's very simple. You just have to say, okay, um, does this sound like the kind of solution that you'd like to try? If they say yes, then we follow up with, okay, which credit card do you usually use to process orders? You never want to say, do you want to buy it? You've already said, does this sound like it would work for you? And if they've said, yes, it does. Then you say, okay, cool. Just assume the sale. Which credit card do you want to use to process the order? And that's it. Phone sales couldn't be easier. Our goal is to identify what the problem is, present our solution with permission to present it, and then show the results they can get. And then give the process or any other information if they ask. But it's up for them to ask the questions they want. You don't want to be driving them or talking too much and leading them somewhere. It's too manipulative. It's too much pressure. Just stay chill and relax. Identify what they want. Tell them the results they can get. Ask if that sounds good for them or if they have any other problems. Now, sometimes the process um, that they're going to have to go through can be scary for them. And they're going to want more information on that. And that's absolutely fine. You can give them that information as they need it. What you don't want to do, though, is give them unrealistic expectations of the process. So don't tell them, ah, you can do it in 10 seconds a day if it actually takes longer. And you don't want to oversell the results. If the results are going to take them a long time to get there, let them know it's going to take a while to get there, that they're not going to do it you know, over a couple of minutes. Um, the smart blueprint, which is the five-step model that we teach that you're learning now, um, our tagline is internally in the company, get rich slowly. <laughs> so it works and it will work but it's going to take time. You don't get rich this weekend. It's going to be slow. Uh, but if you're okay with slow over time, you'll be secure because your bread and butter will be in place. You'll have regular money and the business you build will be built correctly. So it will be able to grow and scale, right? So get rich slowly. If you're okay with getting rich slowly, do me a favor. If you're okay with getting rich slowly, let me know. Yes or no. Is getting rich slowly okay for you? For me, it's totally okay. Remember throughout this journey, it started at the beginning of the year with buying a game store and I've still not made money at this point, right? So throughout this whole journey where we are up to now, we're still not actually making profit. The money's going straight back in the store. It's saved our butts a bunch of time, but we're not growing. We are still pretty much breaking even, but the volume is getting bigger. And that's the point. Yeah, I agree. It's better than not getting rich at all, right? Get rich slowly. John, get rich really slowly. Let's just say it's really slow, right? Yeah, if you love doing it, exactly. Oh my God, Andrew, you get it. You get it. If you love what you're doing, you're never going to work a day in your life. So if you've got a day job that pays the bread and butter that maybe you don't love, but whatever, but you love doing the business and it's working, but it's working slowly, then it's still going to get you there, right? And that's the point because you love it. That's why I do it. I do this because I like helping people. I love it. I love what I do. I've been excited all week to teach a completely free seminar, right? Because I love it. So um, you never want to oversell something because if you oversell it, you get refunds. If you tell someone they're going to get better results than they're actually going to get, tell them it's going to be quicker than it's going to be, or tell them the process is something other than what the process is when they ask, then you're going to get refunds. And you never want refunds because that's going to kill customer loyalty, kill belief in your product. The whole thing's going to collapse. 
But sometimes you're so busy putting processes in place and focuses on work that you can miss the most important thing at all. Okay, so with everything that we did up to this point, the, the phone sales systems, the live streams, growing the audience, with everything that we did, we missed one of the, the most important things, the thing, the reason we're doing this. I look at James and I say to him, are you sure these numbers are correct? Now, if you remember, at the beginning of the pandemic, we made $51.53. James looks at me and he's like, I've double checked it three times. Yeah, the numbers are correct. We made $15,000 this month. 15 grand from a tiny game shop in the middle of a tiny town on the outside of Austin, Texas. Three game stores folded in the main town or at least closed their doors during the pandemic because they couldn't afford to keep them open. We're still kicking butt and we made 15 grand. We went from $51 at the beginning of the year to 15,000 by the, towards the end of the year. We're in shock. We've been putting in hard work for six months straight and every penny we put into it, we had to find within that business. Sure, I could phone up my buddy that runs a company that's worth $6.5 million and be like, hey, can I borrow a million dollars to help out? Sure, I could do that. But actually, that wasn't allowed because Eve put a dampener on it. And also, that would just be throwing money away. There's no point. If a business can't support itself, it's not a business, right? It's got to be able to make its own money. You can't treat an individual business by pumping it with cash from somewhere else and saying it's successful. That doesn't count. The business has to support itself. And finally, it was at a place where it could give me money. I wasn't even working. James ran everything. James was just following the processes that I'd created. James was going through the steps we'd made and we made $15,000. I don't care how much money you have, every $15,000 you get in your pocket counts. We could afford to pay the staff. James got a massive payday. Uh, we could replace things that came out of the shop because of the, the cost of goods sold. We had an advertising company that were helping us now. We had happy customers. We had membership sites. We could afford to pay the painters. At 15 grand a month, we were pumping it out. And this was in si within six months. There was no end to how much this could grow. Now, the natural inclination at this point is to spend the money. But we'd already seen how bad that could be. If you remember, every other time we got the money, if we'd have spent it, we'd have gone bankrupt. So we decided not to spend the money. So even though I could have put the money in my pocket, I didn't. And that's because Christmas was coming up. And I know that Christmas is a great time for companies to make money, especially in retail. But we made a commitment that we wanted to help our staff. So we decided that we would give all of our staff members a sizable cash bonus and that that is what we'd be using the money for. Um, for James specifically, on top of the cash bonus, we bought James a Oculus Quest 2 for Christmas, which is a $400 games console on top of his cash bonus, on top of the fact that James is paid a percentage of the money that we make because he's sales. So James, I mean, James was doing really great. And uh, we were super proud of him. And in fact, to this day, I'm going to take this moment and just let you know that James is one of my favorite people in the world. He's not only someone I consider one of my best friends, he's become the godfather to uh, one of my children that was born during the quarantine, during the lockdown. Um, and he runs this entire arm of the business on his own. And the guy is amazing. I love him. So the rest of the money after the bonuses and after uh, buying James the virtual reality system and expanding the store and doing everything we did, uh, we put the money aside. And we continue to just keep rolling on lockdown, keeping focusing on moving it forward. You have to reward the people who help you make sales, okay? Like if you want a business that grows, you have to reward your team. You gotta look after them. A successful business is a team effort. 
as much as I'd like to sit here and tell you that I did all this myself and I'm amazing, the reality is James listened to everything I said and implemented it. And there were growing pains and there were problems and it wasn't always perfect. And obviously I'm telling a, a year long story in a very short period of time comparatively. Um, he did great and he still does great. Salespeople in general are going to be motivated by earning more as sales increase. So rather than just paying them a percentage, a percentage plus something else makes a massive difference. What I like to do is give hidden bonuses, things they don't expect that come out of nowhere on the back of somebody doing something over the top, something extraordinary. This will encourage them to keep pushing further in the future because they never know when one of those hidden bonuses are going to happen. Now, a simple structure is a percentage of sales combined with these hidden bonuses bonuses every time they do something epic. If you're just starting out and this is your first business, you are the salesperson. And it's actually important to pay yourself as a salesperson, even if you are doing everything in the company. So I'll explain what I mean. If you make sure that you put an amount of money aside for commission for the salesperson and you pay yourself that money, when you hire a salesperson, the pay structure for the salesperson already exists. You just stop paying yourself that money and now they get paid that money. And then if they quit and you're a small business, so you have to pick up sales again, you are, yes, you're doing more work, but you just start getting paid extra money as well because you're now getting paid as a salesperson. If you're so good at sales that, you know, you're making a really good salary just from sales alone and you're a business owner and the business is growing and you bring in a salesperson, you can tell them how much money they can expect because they're going to move into your role. Um, in our major company, Eve is head of sales. And the reason for that is because she's really good at selling and she makes large sums of money on her, on her sales. She brings in salespeople under her and she gives them one of the brands that she works on so they can generate the kind of money that she does, right? With her guidance. Now, um, if you remember our breakdown from earlier, I can show you where you fit the salespeople in. We can give the salesperson 10% of net earnings by just giving them half of the staff percentage. If you remember earlier, we take 20% of the net earnings and we put it aside for staff members. Half of that can go to the sales team, the other half can go to staff. So if we look at everything we said before, the gross cash in, we remove, we remove the cost of goods sold, which gives us net earnings. 100% of that breaks down like this. 50% goes to ads and marketing. And then the remaining 50%, 20% goes to staff. In this situation, 10% will go to staff, 10% goes to the sales department. Then of the money that's left, 20% goes to business expenses. That's your rent, your bills and everything. And the 10% left is owner distribution. Um, if we break this down in cash, let's say there's $20,000 in products sold. Um, any less than that, there's not really much point in having a salesperson. Um, 12,000 of that is your net earnings, right? So um, we'll imagine 8,000 with cost of goods sold. Of the 12,000 in net earnings, uh, we can say that um, 6,000 is ads and marketing. That's going to influencers to pay to get them to promote um, or what have you. Uh, we can have, um, what's my thought? Here we go. You can pay 1,200 to the sales team. That's their commission. That's 10% of the net earnings. We can take 1,200 to staff, which will be the staff that are actually handling, um, you know, customer service or what have you. We've got 2,400 for business expenses. That's easily going to cover rent and any bills. And then 1,200 is owner distribution. So that's 1,200 in your pocket. That means if you were the salesperson and you were the staff member and you were the business owner, you'd get 1,200 for sales, 1,200 for staff and 1,200 for owner distribution. That means you would get paid $3,600 out of the $20,000. That would be good. But if you were like, you know what? I don't want to do the sales. You could hire someone and pay them $1,200 through the sales or realistically you'd hire them at 10% of net earnings 
And then you would get 2,400 to process the orders, create the videos or what have you, and being an owner, and they would get 1,200 for sales, which isn't a lot, but as a part-time salesperson, $1,200 to work part-time on the weekend could be good. However, if you've got a salesperson that's willing to be proactive, that means they're gonna go out and generate leads, I would propose a different sales structure. What you can do is you can incentivize them by giving them a percentage of the gross amount instead and taking it from the ads and marketing budget. So for example, if you've got a salesperson like, no, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna talk in social media groups and I'm gonna reach out to companies and do cold outreach. Well, we have 50% of net earnings put aside for advertising and marketing and reaching out to new audiences is advertising and marketing. You can tell them, well, on anyone you reach out to, on that particular customer, if they were not in our database and you added them manually to the database, I'll give you 10% of profit off of those because that's a much different task rather than just processing internal. And they're going to get a lot more money for that, right? So in this situation, um, they would get the uh, 10% of the advertising on a 20,000 one, uh, they would be getting uh, $600, which is a much bigger number. Um, did I do that right? No, I did that wrong. How am I doing this wrong? No, 10% is 1,200 1, internally. Oh, it's, no, sorry. It, where have I done it wrong? It's double, 2,400 is what they'd be getting, right? Why can't I do math right now? If the owner distribution, sorry guys, bear with me. I'm doing math while speaking. It's significantly harder. So the owner distribution. Yeah, thanks. I've got a guy with a calculator next to me. Apparently that's what I need at this point. So the 10% of owner distribution Oh, they would get both. I'm sorry. They would get 1,200 plus 600. That's the difference. They would get 1,800, which is a much bigger number. Thank you. So at that point, they're making a hell of a lot more money because they brought in the lead and they made the sales. That was it. I wasn't adding it together. Thanks. So um, now in order to keep track of this, in order to make sure that the person's coming in correctly and you know that they added that person, you need a way of reporting where the customer came from and who they are. And the way we do that is with something called a CRM, a customer relationship management system, CRM system. Now, um, a CRM system is a place where you can write down the name of the customer, uh, what they're interested in, where they came from, how much money they spent, um, who's in charge of them. So if you have multiple salespeople, you can have multiple uh, customers in the same CRM assigned to different salespeople so you know who they are. Now, there are many different CRM systems. Some of them cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and some of them cost like 50 bucks a month, just depending. If you want to know which CRM we prefer, because we constantly change them, that's a great thing to have a conversation about. So if you're at the point where you go, you know what, I want to do this. I want to handle sales. I'm going to do it correctly. I'm going to set it up. Make sure you fill in the form to talk to our team. You're going to talk to Eve directly because Eve is the head of sales for us and she'll be able to help you. So that should help out. So uh, I love what James Shipper said. Let's do this segment over. I agree, James. I'm going to give it to you guys again. I'm going to go over the math again. So... Everyone good for that? You guys good for me to go over it one more time quickly just to help out with the math? Perfect, here we go. So, <clears throat> as a salesperson, oh, sorry, when you bring a salesperson into your company, there are two ways to pay them. You can either pay them out of the staff budget or you can pay them out of the advertising and marketing budget and the staff budget. It all depends on whether they are bringing in the customer directly or if they're processing a customer that is already yours.
for example, if I bring in a salesperson and they're working on my audience, they're working on my customers that have already come in, I just want to pay them out of the staff piece because I still need the advertising and marketing budget to go and find new customers. On the other hand, if that staff or if that salesperson is willing to reach out to new audiences and bring them in, I can pay them not only a percentage of the staff portion, but I can also pay them a percentage of advertising and marketing because they're bringing them in. Let me show you what I mean in numbers. So, um, good questions and dominance. I'll explain it to you. So, the gross cash is an amount of money that I take out the cost of goods sold. What's left is net earnings. That is my actual money. The cost of goods sold has to come out first. The net earnings is the only amount of money you're allowed to spend because you've got to replace the costs of everything you paid for. 100% of that money is divided up in half. We take 50% and put it for ads and marketing. We take 50% and we use it for staff, business expenses, and owner distribution. Broken down as 20% for staff, 20% for business expenses, and 10% for owner distribution. The other 50 is for advertising and marketing. To pay your sales team, it often makes sense to split the staff fee in half. And that would essentially, because 20% has been put aside for staff, 10% of net earnings is given to the sales team, right? So they make 10% of all the money that is left available for you to spend. However, if they are reaching out to new customers, there's an argument that you can also give them a percentage of the ads and marketing budget. We put 50% of net earnings aside for advertising and marketing. We can take 10% of that and we can give that to them in addition if they're doing reach out too. So if there were $20,000 in net earnings, 6,000 would be put aside for ads and marketing and 600 of that, 6,000, would go to the sales team because they're doing reach out. Then 1,200, which is 10% of the net earnings, would also go to the sales team for processing the sales and talking to customers. That means your sales team out of $20,000 would make 1,800, which is a lot closer to 10% of the entire thing, right? They make a lot of money. Then you've still got 1,200 left for staff, 2,400 for business expenses, and 1,200 for owner distribution. If you're the salesperson, you, you should pay yourself that salesperson salary on top of your owner distribution. And if you're processing customer service, you should also pay yourself that salary too. That means if I am a loan business owner and I make $20,000 in a month, my personal earnings will be $600, which is 10% of advertising and marketing for doing the reach out, $1,200 for sales, $1,200 for being a staff member, and $1,200 for owner distribution, which means on $20,000, I make $3,600 plus $800, which is $4,400. Make sense? So, yes, for the core product, there will be a PowerPoint slide with all the numbers. So, very good question. Uh, very good point so that should help and uh i don't think there's a way of giving this to you guys quickly unfortunately otherwise i would um but that's how we're gonna do it cool okay you guys got it perfect thanks guys so <clears throat> the way we can keep track of what sales they've made is with using a crm which is basically a customer relationship manager which enables you to keep track of all of the customers who they are what they're buying and where they are and there's a number of different ones that we recommend depending on where you are at with your business, which is why I'm not just going to say now. If you want to know uh, which one to use um, based on your personal preferences and needs and desires, message Eve. She's going to put a link in the chat. You can click on it, fill in the form, and Eve will be able to talk to you and help out. Cool. Now, 
You should never actually think of your customers as leads. While salespeople refer to them as leads, as a business owner, we don't want to think of them as leads because they don't think of themselves as leads. You never want to make the mistake of a business owner thinking of a group of people like just generic customers. Like it's not like these are my customers, these are my leads. You're actually better off of thinking of them as individuals because if you can remember them as individuals and your sales team can remember them as individuals, you're going to do a lot better off and you're going to make a lot more money. So I'm going to talk about the value of a happy customer. I remember during lockdown, uh, there was a point where it eased up and people were allowed to come into the store to collect items. And so rather than just doing mail order, we were saying, if you want to save money on shipping, you can physically come in the store and pick it up. It made sense because we live in the local area. A lot of people could pull up outside the front door, walk in and pick something up. I remember this one time I was hanging out in the game store with James, just going over the numbers. Two people walks in and one of them goes, hey, it's that dude from the live stream. So um, one of them, he's super excited. He's bouncing up and down. He goes, dude, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? And his friend is like, dude, I've got no idea. Like, I've never seen this guy. He goes, no, dude, this guy plays live streams of this game all the time. He's amazing. He teaches painting tutorials. This guy is the man. And I think it's really funny because in many circles, I'm known for helping people grow big businesses. Um, in other circles, I'm known as one of the world's best dating coaches. In some weird circles, I'm known as a really good sword fighter. But this guy... This guy knows me for playing nerd games. That, and he's like, this guy's the man, uh, which is really cool though. So we start chatting. We talk about the games that he loves. We talk about the armies that he plays in Warhammer 40,000, which is the game that he loved the most. Um, and for fun, we sit down and we design an army together. So I'm talking about the tactics that I do, you know, indoctrination, outlining all the methods, how I make the choices. Um, and I explain what choices I'd make when I'm playing the game. I'd be like, look, I would do this, I would do that. Um, and as I'm describing the different moves I'll do, he looks at me and goes, fuck it, I'm buying it. Now, buying a miniature is one thing. Buying paints is another thing. Buying an entire army is one of the most expensive things you can buy in our store. He dropped $1,000 almost, like 900 and something, in a single transaction right then and there, purely because a guy that he thought was cool was helping him design an army. But the magic wasn't what happened then. The magic was his friend watching him talk to me because his friend says, well, shit, if you're going to buy that army, I'm not going to win anymore. I need something to go against it. So he looks at me and says, would you help me design an army too? And now I'm talking to someone I've never met before and I'm helping them design an army. And he didn't buy the whole thing, but he still dropped like $400 or so. The point is the testimonial from the first guy sold the second guy. If I hadn't been in the store that day, we would have been down $1,500 in free money that we got simply because the first guy was a fan and I treated him like a human rather than like, oh, hey, good to see you. I'm off. I treated him like a real human. He loved it so much. He took action. And then that became a testimonial for his friends to take action too. Your best form of advertising is happy customers. Nothing is better than that. The more excited and eager they are to share their experiences of working with you and having success with you, the more clients you're going to get. Look, the success of a five-star hotel isn't based on how nice the guy that owns the hotel is. Even though in this situation, it was based on how nice I am, the fact that I own the business, it's actually based on how nice the guy who cleans the floors are. You are going to have more interactions with the general wait staff, the, the general cleaners, the regular people than you are with the owner of a big business. If they treat you well, and if they smile at you and they're happy every time they talk to you, that's what creates the five-star experience. 
Your experience will always be great if the staff treat you incredibly well like a real human being. The reason that guy felt so comfortable being nice and friendly with me wasn't actually because of me. It was because James. James is always happy. James is always excited. James is always talking to him about armies. When I came in, I kind of looked like a celebrity because James had said how great I am. And James thinks I'm great because I think James is great because I look after James and James looks after me. The only way people are going to be happy to meet you is if your staff love you. If your staff think you're great, if your staff talk well about you, if your staff are happy, then your customers are going to be happy to meet you. They're going to want to have something to do with you and you're going to get amazing testimonials. And the testimonials are where money comes from. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.